people. My friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I'm your slightly anemic host, Dixie Lee Henning. Slightly what? Anemic. Oh, no. What's wrong, babe? I just feel kind of nauseous. Oh, I'm sorry. So. It's been a doozy of a week, it's has it not? It's been a dozy. Okay, so what did you do last weekend? Tell me about I it. I have no idea. I've slept since. I'm just kidding. I flew to Washington, and then I picked up my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And by picked up, I mean his stuff and his car. Yeah. And then drove with him for two days yep. back to Montana. Caravan, caravaned your way back. Yeah. Like into a couple of gypsies. Glorious treasure state of ours. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And in the meantime, <laughs> some two sexy gypsies. To, excuse me. What? We you are. Ta- you're talking about my brother. I know. I don't love this energy. He's attractive. Okay. He's got that. He's got some supreme dad energy going on. Okay. He is almost a dad. I'm just saying. This is fair. We have a new niece or nephew coming niece soon. Niece or nephew. We don't know. We don't know. It's anyone's guess. Take a vote. It's anyone's We're guess. We're taking votes in t- early November. Tweeted us. Hashtag no normal people. <laughs> November 3rd. Don't forget to vote. Yes. This is also important <laughs> to know. That's how genders are decided. Excuse Speaking me? Speaking of genders being decided those fires How about though fires? oh gosh <laughs> welcome to Man. california where we have baby boys and fires and very very smoky fires also, that create apocalyptic pictures of the pacific yeah. northwest air quality not great okay let's, we're straying let's bring we're, it back dixie while you were gone i managed to break my ankle yeah i if if you saw the instagram story where i explained why we missed last week what a nerd thank you again for bearing with us this has been just a wild summer yeah and we're kind of accidentally establishing an every other week schedule accidentally but it might be permanent we're considering keeping permanent yeah we'll see though we'll see how it goes uh but yeah while you were gone i managed to break my ankle yeah that's great. And it wasn't even in like a heroic way. No. Like you just stepped backwards just, just wrong. A, just a clumsy fall. And and you and you fell. It was funny really? because we were FaceTiming at the time. And was the it phone, funny for you? And the phone just disappeared and I was like, oh no. Why did he drop the phone? Yeah. Also, I was so confused why your phone didn't make a huge crashing noise when you dropped it. Oh. And that's because you dropped it on a dog bed. <laughs> True. I fell onto a dog bed. It was impressive, but was you still broke your foot. So Breaking the distal end of my fibula. Fibula. So that's great. I've been working on the healing process for that. Kind of annoyed with just being cooped up to recliners and couches, keeping my leg elevated. That sounds but, like I a mean, dream to me. One day soon. I'll do that. In like a week, I'm getting my new MacBook and I get to do all my podcast work from that computer now. Yeah. Let's tell all of the people, all three of the people that listen to this podcast, all of the devices that we own so they can break into our house and steal it. We're talking into two mics right now. Well, they know we have on micro- our desktop okay, computer. Not, not great. <laughs> 
I anyway, just got a new iPad. Oh my gosh. And an Apple Pencil. <gasps> and my AirPods get here like this week, so feel free to come over. You really want to flex on all this? I was just <laughs> saying that all, maybe the schedule steal would... all our stuff. <laughs> I was just saying our schedule might be a little more <laughs> regular if I'm able to keep the editing process mobile. That's fair. That's all I was saying. That's true. And then also what I said is true. Goodness great. Okay. <laughs> I have a really fun interview for us this week. Doubt it. The, I'm just kidding. I know who it is, and I love you her. Always, you bring this energy to everyone I, I just, do alone. Steven, this is my <sighs> energy. I don't bring this energy. I okay. am this energy. Oh. I'm always angry. <laughs> I am the Hulk. I just finished watching thank Endgame you. again. Bruce Banner, Can you thank you. Tell? Um, I'm fine. Yeah, so a fantastic interview with our friend Alex Hamilton. Yep. Here today. Alex, Alexandra. Hamilton, not Alexander I make one obligatory Hamilton joke. I have to make another Horselton thing for this. Please, no. (laughs) We don't. We don't have to do that. Horselton the musical. She likes horses, probably. You're resurrecting this? Yeah. This is the bit. Horselton. You want. The music. I know all the words to the show now, so I can make it more accurate. (laughs) This hurts me. I can't do this with you right now. So why not, in the meantime? I can't say nay to this. (sighs) (laughs) that was good right you you did it i'm deflated i don't know (laughs) just listen just listen to this episode with alex it's fantastic she's great she's such a cool husband's great she has a cute dog absolutely she has the voice of an angel and i'm just gonna pick up the shattered bits of my (laughs) you're just impressed at my horselton reference Anyway, this is Alex Hamilton. We are going to get started with rapid fire questions. Alex, are you ready? I'm ready. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Lakes. Rain or sun? Uh, Sun. Tea or coffee? coffee early morning or late night late night summer or winter hard tie (laughs) oh hard tie love it beaches or mountains Uh, mountains marvel or dc dc libraries or museums Mm, museums cats or dogs dogs pancakes or waffles pancakes sunrise or sunset sunset east coast or west coast west coast Sweet or savory? Sweet. Do you call it soda or pop? Soda. Hogwarts or the Shire? The Shire. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Books or movies? Movies. Sweater or hoodie? Hoodie. Handshakes or hugs? Mm, Handshakes. Introvert or extrovert? Big combo platter. Combo right in the middle. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, finally, phone calls or texts? Uh, Texts. Excellent. Okay, that was the end of the rapid fire, so you can relax a little bit, as if that was stressful to begin with, right? (laughs) Right. Okay, so now some more open-ended, just fun, goofy questions. Ready? Yes. What is your favorite candy? Favorite candy is a Butterfinger. Mm. What's your favorite snack? Um, I really enjoy granola bars. 
Mm, yep. Um, and I try different brands. So Cliff Bar typically, but sometimes I make my own. Wow. Okay. Do you have a yeah. particular favorite flavor of Cliff Bar? Oh, yeah. I like the chocolate peanut butter filled. They have these new ones that are just filled? like loaded with peanut butter in them. Yes. Whoa, nice. They're amazing. That's, yeah. That sounds good. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite morning drink? Definitely coffee. Do you like it prepared any particular way or just black coffee? I usually make, so it's kind of, it's strategic. I, I make two arrow presses and I have one in a mug and then one in my to-go mug to head with me to work. But I have been enjoying the arrow press recently. That is brilliant. I let you just make it, yeah. make them both at once, throw one in a mug, keeps yeah. it hot. Beautiful. Yep. Very strategic. Yep. I can appreciate that. Okay. What? Yeah is your favorite city? Oh gosh, that's a hard question, I think, because there are a lot of <laughs> cities I've been to that have their own charm oh, and yeah. things that I enjoy. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have like a particular answer. I really enjoyed um, time when I had spent in Devil's Tower and there's this tiny little town called Hewlett, Wyoming. Super cute. Oh, that's yeah. so good. What is your favorite smell? I really enjoy um, lilacs. Favorite TV show? Parks and Rec. Yes. Yes. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Moose tracks. What are foods you will never eat? Hmm. A food I would never eat. I mean, I'm pretty open to eating a bunch of different foods, but I don't know. I've heard people eating like rattlesnake or alligator or yeah, okay. things like that. Totally would be down for that, but anything that's slimy, kind of like mussels or slug type, that no, I don't do slimy things. So whatever's in that, that category. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yep, I can appreciate. <laughs> what is your absolute favorite meal? Ooh, absolute favorite meal. I really enjoy Mexican food. So a big chicken burrito with rice and beans mm. and a bunch of vegetables. Yeah, Fantastic. that's my ideal meal. Yes. Who is the smartest person you know? And this could be either you know personally or you know of. I would say my older brother. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's the smartest person I know. Yeah. Do you have a secret talent? Hmm. I think recently people don't know that I'm a musician, so I like to pull out my guitar from time to time oh, yes. um, in the new community that I'm in. And they're like, what's happening? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I love it. It's it's actually amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Fun. That's a good feeling. <laughs> what was your first job? Oh, my first, very, very first job. I was living in Pueblo, Colorado, and they have the Arkansas River goes through the downtown and they have these little paddle boats that people can rent out. And I worked as the paddle boat person who stayed in a hot hut until people came and wanted to rent a paddle boat. Just running the rental register yeah that's so good yeah. that's so good what was your first pet first pet you know my parents had a couple cats that I remember growing up with but they weren't necessarily mine okay. um, but when I was about seven my parents got a black lab and her name was Sammy um she's she's a good dog mm. she pretty much was my pal yeah ah beautiful I love it do you have a historical hero not necessarily one historical or political figure, but mm -hmm. I definitely kind of thinking of psychology, like 
my hero is Carl Rogers. Mm. Would you introduce me to Carl Rogers a little bit? I've heard the name. Yeah. So Carl Rogers, he has a really cool background. He's the founder of person-centered or client-centered therapy. And he grew up in a very religious household and kind of had a very rigid upbringing, but also took away the ego of the therapist. And it wasn't about the therapist kind of spewing their knowledge, but it was rather undigging the client's knowledge themselves and kind of uncovering their positive conscience and getting Mm. to a point where, hey, you can guide yourself and I know you have goodness in you Mm. and let's get to that and you can guide yourself. I'm going to be here to help you uncover it. But yeah, his stance is heavily on authenticity. So I love it. It's just very clear and it's more about the client than it is about kind of (laughs) the therapist pride or ego or knowledge. So right. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's get back into... <laughs> okay. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if you remember these, but they were so silly. And they were those t-shirts that would get really small. And they had kind of those pokey little bits. And they were tiny. And then you kind of stretched them out. Um, and you would usually find them at really odd stores, like, mm. I don't know, a general grocery store, like Walmart or Sam's club or something like that. But I had like several of those shirts <laughs> that like were super tiny and then expanded and they were just terrible. And they had like the worst patterns on them. Oh man. Really bright. And yeah, oh, and man. Were, those were hilarious. Oh, right on. <laughs> definitely got rid of them. But what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, I I really hate, I'm getting over this one, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when people like spit randomly or like have sunflower oh. seeds and spit. It just drives me crazy. Okay. I don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Rostin, my husband, he really likes having sunflower seeds in the car. So we've been able to dive into that one. Ooh, okay. It's <laughs> Practice really... <laughs> some exposure therapy yes. and all the rest. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm I'm with Rostin, by the way. That's my favorite snack is sunflower seeds. So I, I mean, like yeah. as long as he's being respectful about it and like putting the shells in a bottle or something, does that work for you or? You know, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if it's in a cup or a bottle or <laughs> out the window. I just don't like the sound of it. I don't know. Oh, okay. It's the sound we're making yeah. with our lips that you don't like. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That makes sense. I know it's really, really <laughs> odd, but. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What is the best live concert you've ever attended? Oh, so last summer I had a couple experiences that were really awesome. I saw Gregory Allen Isakoff in concert mm. um, and that was magical. He's a folk artist and just really creates such a presence in the room. Yeah. Um, and a lot of his music is just very much about scenery and about being outside and relationships. And so I resonate with his lyrics. So that was really awesome. Mm, so good. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh, to read people's minds. Uh, okay. Would that be a, like a permanent setting or could you just like tune into their minds for a second and then dip out? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't want to hear everyone's thoughts all at once, that, but I could be that, like, Hmm, I'm curious. Right. I feel like that would drive you nuts. If you, if it was oh, just yeah. like a permanent on setting, you <laughs> yeah, would go you crazy. Wouldn't, you wouldn't, 
yeah, you would. You would lose like your sense of self. You wouldn't know what you were thinking compared to what other people mm-hmm. were thinking. Right. <laughs> yeah. To date, what would you consider to be your proudest achievement? Ooh, proudest achievement. I would say that graduating with my master's this spring was probably kind of one of the hardest things I had to do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most recent accomplishment. So I would I would go with that for now. Fantastic. I love that answer. Okay. Yeah. Finally, for the icebreakers here, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, you're going to laugh really hard. I really wanted to be a runway model. Okay. And then I realized that I was 5'1", and that that dream would never happen for me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that would do it. (laughs) Yep. And then I was like, okay, I'll be an interior designer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and (laughs) I love both those answers, by the way. I did laugh, but I laughed because, like, I love your thought process there. I'm 5'1". I can't. I can't make that happen. Yeah, it was very, very logical. Like, oh, no, don't meet those marks. <laughs> that What's was, up next? Right, yeah. It's just a business decision at that point. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> That's so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Alex Hamilton, I am so glad that you're on my podcast, No Normal People. I'm very excited to catch up with you. and I'm very excited to hear more about your childhood and just like what makes you you. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Um, do you just real quick throw away question at the beginning? Do a lot of people make Hamilton, the musical references with you? Oh my gosh. You don't even know. Alexandra Hamilton. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I would imagine. And I work with, yeah, I work with teenage girls, so they're all big fans. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm personally, I, I don't know why I woke up this morning. I was like, I have to make that joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just for you. Okay. Moving yeah. on. That's the one time I'll do that to you. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Would you uh, tell us a little about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Basically. So I moved around quite a bit, but I've spent most of my childhood in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I was born in Denver, Colorado. My dad was in the legislature at the time. And I, my mom told my dad, Hey, I feel really weird today. Like maybe I might give birth. And he was like, Oh, you'll be fine. Just stay at the hotel. I have to go to the state Capitol. My mom's driving to the state Capitol and in labor and they had to call my dad in and it's just super funny. So I always make a joke that I was almost born at the state capital of Colorado. Right. <laughs> so close. <laughs> so close. Almost. It could have been epic. It's still epic, but right. Yeah. So my dad was in the legislature and I have an older brother as well. He was three years old when my mom had me and yeah, but we lived in Pueblo. So he would kind of commute back and forth, but pretty much after I was born, he decided to retire politics in order to be the best dad he can be. So yeah. He kind of went more into the economic development realm. And yeah, so that was actually a really healthy thing for our family. But we lived in Pueblo for a while. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in, I went to a little private Lutheran school that was, I was not necessarily Lutheran, but my parents, it was the only real private school in the area. So it was a pretty good upbringing, but also had its pitfalls and rigidity. But Mm -hmm. yeah, 
And then we had moved to, um, when I was in third grade, we moved to a tiny little town in Colorado called Dolores, pretty close to Telluride. That is where I learned to ski. It was this tiny little rural elementary school that I went to for a couple of years and they had a ski bus and they would take us up to Telluride. And oh, great. that's when I learned how to ski. I know it was awesome. And it was a free bus for all the kids kind of in in the farming community because there was a lot of alfalfa and ranching in the area. Yeah. So they would take all the kids up there and yeah, it was pretty awesome. But we only stayed there for a couple of years and moved back to Pueblo, Colorado. So yeah. I'm curious what the driving factor was for all the all the moves hopping around Colorado. Yeah, most of it was my dad's job. He worked a lot in like water. So he would be kind of in charge of, oh, the Arkansas River and where is that going and how are we oh. accommodating for agriculture and those types of things. So he okay. kind of did that job in Dolores as well. And it just wasn't a good fit after a couple years. But then we moved back to Pueblo and he did more of the economic development realm. So he took charge of kind of that river walk that I talked about where my first job was at. Oh, yeah. He started to run that when he when we moved back to Pueblo. So he kind of went from politics to water and then to economic development where he's kind of stayed pretty consistently the rest of his career. So wow, very cool. And growing up, was your mom at home with you? No, she was a nurse. She's a pretty awesome, hardworking lady. Yeah. So she was a nurse and we, we had a lot of extracurricular activities. My brother was into soccer and I was into ballet. So I did ballet for many years and. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And we kind of had our own, our own outlets and it was pretty great, but there were times where, yeah, we kind of missed out on some of those family moments um, because we are driven, passionate people. And yeah. my parents yeah. definitely raised us to be passionate and independent. So that has its, you know, its um, pluses and minuses. So. Oh, absolutely. Was your like primary education K through 12, just kind of hopping around all over the place as you moved to different places? Oh, that's a good question. So I was in that Lutheran school for when I was in Pueblo and then I went to the rural school. Yeah. Hop- hopped back to the same private school for a few years. And then I did a year in Pueblo at one of the high schools there, Centennial. And then we moved up to Montana my sophomore year of high school. Oh, um, okay. I went to, yeah, Billing Central Catholic. So. Oh, you were a ram? I can't, I don't know if we can yeah, be friends now. I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we can. This is, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Wait, what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2011. Okay. Oh, you were actually in Dixie's graduating class. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. I was a sophomore when you were a senior. As a locomotive, this is, oh, this is dangerous. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. We'll get this over it. <laughs> I, I love the concept of high school rivalry rivalries. It just seems so goofy to yeah. me, right? It's like we just have to it manufacture so something to just be angry about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm not very competitive. And actually, when I moved up to Montana, I remember one of my first social interactions was going to a soccer game mm. between Laurel and Central. And I go, I'm looking at their big sign that says locomotive. And I look at my dad and I go, what's a locomotive? I'm like 16 years old and I have no idea. And he goes, yeah, he's like, it's a train. I'm like, why is that a mascot? I don't understand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we regularly (laughs) asked ourselves why we were the locomotive. It's just a lame mascot. Okay. 
Yeah, it is. Let's just we're throwing it out there. It happened. Wait, we said you it. You can't dress someone up in like a train mascot <laughs> uniform. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Moving Super on. Super ridiculous. Okay. But... So after high school, then where did you go to college and what did you study for your undergrad? Yeah. So I also had kind of so underlying theme here is I have a restless soul basically because mm. I've kind of done the exact same thing that happened in my childhood now as an adult. So I started out my undergrad at Casper College um, and I started studying vocal performance there and it was awesome two years. In those two years, I was able to meet Rostin, my husband, and he was studying um, automotive. So he was, I was doing music, he was doing automotive, and we were able to mm. kind of meet each other at a different kind of collegiate ministry thing that we were both involved in. So that's really cool. And I'm glad I made that choice to go to Casper College. Yeah, right? Yeah. After that, I uh, we both headed up to Denver, Colorado, where I finished out my bachelor's of music um, at Colorado Christian University. Oh, so did you guys get married in the middle of college? We did. Yep. Oh, what was that like? Yeah. Um, you know, we got a lot of pushback from my parents mostly, but also just from people like, why would you do that in the middle? And I was like, well, I'm moving to Denver. And if he's following me there, that's pretty serious. So. Right. Um, <laughs> just thinking about that. <laughs> it seems like we could just do one apartment. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like not necessarily just the logistics, but also we just knew we wanted to yeah, be together. Yep. So why wait? So what was, what was studying those last two years, like being like a brand new married couple? It was difficult. I had a lot of fun with the music culture in Denver and made some really awesome friends, um, started a little band. It only lasted about a couple of years, but it's called Strange Girl. We have one song on Spotify. Yes. Check it out. Nice. <laughs> I will put a link in the show notes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. But I made some really great friends and uh, it was hard to connect with some of the other students because A, they were a bit younger, but also they weren't married. So I had to attend to college. I had a job at a retail store as well. I has a job at let's see, the YMCA. I worked at a preschool there with some little kiddos. It was really awesome. Yeah. I just had to balance it all. And then I had a band and I also did worship services on Sunday. So I was that those two years were jam packed and Rostin worked at an auto body shop. So he had kind of his one thing and okay. then he's obviously a pretty intense rock climber. So he really poured himself into that. But yeah, it was a lot to juggle those those two years, but it was very fun and I met some great people. So mm, excellent. If you were to give a newlywed couple advice on how to navigate college, like one or both of them are going to college, what do you like to tell people? I would say intentionality is huge in any marriage, right? Yeah. Being intentional about your time together, but also finding support. So when we were there, I had one of my religion teachers, he just said, hey, you're married. And there's like a couple other married people on campus. And he kind of grouped us together and mm. we were able to find support with one another. And I think that was really huge. Just finding those other couples, connecting with them. Yeah. We mostly connected with his name's Mr. Black. I don't remember his first name because he was a teacher. So that's right. what I called him. You never remember <laughs> but... a teacher's first name. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just an amazing guy and would just invite us over. And it was really nice to have support. So I would say intentionality and then also finding your support system oh. and knowing that, you know, 
talking about your expectations with your spouse is so important. So when you're going to have those busy weeks and you have to juggle, say, hey, I'm having a busy week. What are the what do we need to chat about? What's the expectations for this week? And just laying it all out and being honest. So, oh, man, I love it. And it, it feels like you were getting a college education, but you were also getting an education on how to handle a marriage very seriously and also maintain what quite literally is your best friendship in the world because right from what i know about you and rostin you guys have done a ton of that kind of stuff ever since yeah yeah just b- between different jobs and different travel opportunities and all this like you guys mm-hmm. seem to have dialed in a system on how to maintain a healthy relationship but also being able to pursue what you want to get after you know right yeah it's very good kind of that sense of interdependence, right? Where we right. can both be passionate about two different things, but still be a unit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's yep. fantastic. Okay. So after your bachelor's degree, what got you to Billings, Montana? Because this is where I met you was here in Billings. Yeah. So I had a year in Gillette where Rostin and I stayed with his parents. But during that time, this is kind of one of those pivot moments, as you'd say. Yeah. But they... Basically, we went to Gillette and kind of took a break of what we wanted to do. Rostin considered going to Alaska and studying some more outdoor um, leadership skills. Okay. And I didn't know what to do. I was still very involved in music and church, and that was really great. But his mom actually, shout out to Ida Hamilton, mm. she said, hey, you should try doing this job with the school district and work with special needs. And I said, oh, that would be awesome. Like I did preschool work at the YMCA and mm-hmm. I've always had an interest in psychology and child development. So I applied for the job and got it. And I was actually a one-on-one for a student in first grade. And he had more of the mood type disorders And it just really opened my eyes to counseling and therapy. And I pretty much followed around the school counselor all year and said, wow, I think I want to do that. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really impactful of just building a relationship with this kiddo and learning about him and his family and how they can be best supported and be successful. And yeah, so that was kind of a pivot moment for me Mm. in Gillette and... Once Austin was like, yeah, I want to go to MSUB and finish my bachelor's of outdoor adventure leadership. That's when we moved to Billings. So we moved after that school year and I hopped into the job at the Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch and got more into mental health and Austin continued on with outdoors. So sure. And then then I met you at Fresh Life. So, yep, absolutely. So I knew you as a musician first, and then I started hearing about all the other stuff you guys were doing. That's fun that your secret talent, though, now where you live is like you get to sneak the music out. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, because you and I, uh, you, me and Dixie, we were involved in the the worship team pretty heavily. At at one point, Dixie was the worship coordinator on staff, and then you took over that position. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we all got to jam on a regular basis, and it was fantastic. Yes, I miss those days for sure. It's very good. Holds a special place in our hearts for sure. So in the middle of this, you decide to get a master's degree. So what was that like, and what did you study? Yeah, so... And along with that too, so the summer before we went to Billings, we worked at a company called Austin Adventures and did some guiding together. So that was really great. 
forgot to mention that, but we did that as well. So we guided in Yellowstone and did kind of those multi-day trips with families, which Mm. was great. Mm -hmm. And kind of at the end of my second season of doing that. So I would take leave of absence in my work as mental health to go guide. And it was actually really great (laughs) to have those breaks um, and made me a better human. But yeah, after that, I had you know, had worked at um, Yellowstone Boys and Girls Ranch and worked directly with the students there and really just enjoyed it. And as I got to shadow the school counselor a couple years back in Wyoming, I just decided, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I enrolled, you know, took the GRE, did all the things and Mm -hmm. yeah, just decided that that's, that's the realm I wanted to dive into as a career. So was it two years that you took the master's degree? Yeah, my master's was actually a three-year program. Okay. Um, so it was both school counseling as well as clinical counseling. Mm-hmm. So I did two years of classes that encompassed both of those things, school counseling and clinical counseling. And then I had to do about a year of just shadowing and school counselors in Billings. So, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. What technically is the master's in? Like, what's the title that is on the diploma for you? Yeah. So it says master's of education and then counseling. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So you you obviously have quite a background in like a lot of psychology studies at this point. A lot of probably sociology is in there a bit. Yeah. Let's see. Where do we want to go from here? Well, okay. So I guess, first of all, let's let's just get you current to where you're living right now. So would you walk me through right. how graduation worked for you with your master's degree and then how you got the job you hold now and where you live. Right. Yeah. So once you graduate with your master's, you have to find a place where you can accumulate clinical hours, um, similar mm. to a residency that a doctor would have to accumulate. Yeah. Yep. So I have yeah. to accumulate 3000 hours in doing therapy. Wow. Yeah, I know. So Rostin and I really tried to find a place that, yes, we can do the all of those outdoor things that he loves to do, but mm-hmm. I can also accumulate my hours and continue with professional development. Right. So we had looked at a couple different options, and our first option was a wilderness therapy program that's in Utah called Outback. Mm. Um, we did about a two-week interview process, and what that looked like is they actually took a bunch of us who were interviewing, took us into the woods, we had to um, learn how to bow drill to make fire. Uh, wow. We had to learn how to, yeah, make our own basically backpack frame. You would put all your stuff in a tarp, tie it up and put it to your backpack frame. But we had to find the wood to do that, cut it down. We had to oh carve gosh. our own spoons out of wood. It was very intense. And Seriously. the reason students usually do this, it's kind of a recalibration of back to the basics, right? There's not a lot of room for BS, if you will, in the Mm, woods when mm -hmm. you're trying to create a fire, really just hiking and getting to your water and those types of things. So uh, it's very effective with teenagers and it's also effective with adults, I will say. My two (laughs) weeks were tough and brought out a lot of my own therapeutic work, if you will. Right. Um, You can't be a perfectionist in the woods. So if anyone's wondering about that, um, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, like things are going to happen. You have to roll with it. So it was a really good experience for us. But ultimately, we would have to be in the field with the students for long periods of time. Wow. Um, and I just wasn't wasn't quite ready to take that plunge. So 
after that interview, we kind of tried to recalibrate and figure out where we wanted to go next. So kind of the next step for a lot of those students that go to wilderness therapy programs is to go to a therapeutic boarding school. Mm -hmm. So these students will go to a school and they'll get therapy as well, but there's a lot of normalcy there. And I started looking into that and Rostin also was like, Hey, this, there's this really cool place. And he has family in Whitefish, Montana. So they had knew of Chrysalis boarding school. And so I bugged and bugged the clinical director and called him over and over again. And eventually I got an interview and here I am collecting my clinical hours and really diving into therapy. Oh man. Fantastic. So you're collecting clinical hours. What is a what is just like a day to day experience of of your work life look like? Yeah, good question. So usually, and there's a lot of flexibility in the therapist's schedule at Chrysalis. A lot mm-hmm. of times, you're kind of stuck in an office and doing things like that, but that's not always the case for me. I complete one individual session per student and one family session, as well as completing a group therapy. Mm. Um, and kind of what I've integrated. So this program is really awesome. What I've integrated is on their weekends, they have adventure days. So they have adventure programming and our, our program is very experiential. So it's all about the experience and how we can dive into that. So I, on Fridays, they go to school Monday to Thursday. And during those days, I'm typically in the office doing sessions, you know, making sure all my paperwork's done, doing master treatment plans, collecting intervention ideas, all of that. But on Fridays, I get to go on adventures with my students. Mm. So that, yeah, it's awesome. I get to go rock climbing with them, boating, hiking. Yeah. A bunch of different types of things. Learned how to wakeboard with my students this summer. So. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. It's been really fun. And then in the winter, they get to go to Whitefish Mountain every weekend. So it's quite the experience. And Mm -hmm. I've been able to morph my job where I still get to do the adventure side of things, but I also get to do kind of the office work. So that's, that's so cool that you're still, you still get to hold on to all the adventure stuff that you and your husband are so good at and that you love doing. uh, But at the same time, you're collecting all the hours you can. Yep. Exactly. Okay. That's so good. One last question about therapy before we just kind of open it up and talk about what you're into and what you do for fun. I have a question about where do you think the, the ongoing stigma around visiting a therapist comes from and what would you tell people to either get them over that fear or, uh, just kind of break that mold and normalize the, the therapy conversation. Mm, That's a good question. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what therapy is based on media Mm -hmm. and what they see on TV, even like Dr. Phil and news clips and Mm -hmm. um, people saying like, oh, he had to see a therapist because he's blank and having these labels. um, I think that that's kind of what drives a lot of the misconceptions, specifically in the United States. I think that your therapist is really just a person to talk to. It's a neutral ear for you. I think that everyone could benefit from seeing a therapist from time to time. Mm -hmm. It's not forever. It doesn't mean that you're having major issues. It's just an extra person to listen and an extra person to help guide you into healthy habits. So my tidbit is everyone could benefit from seeing a therapist in some manner to make your life serve you in the best ways and to help you create the life that you want and represent yourself in the way that you want. So 
There's no need to think of it laying back on the couch, you know, <laughs> thinking of Tissue Freud and talking and, yeah. about, yeah, it doesn't have to be like that. In fact, I take my clients kayaking in the morning. So, oh, it's, that's so good. it's really just being able to have a conversation with somebody and being able to manage things. Life is hard and yeah. specifically right now. And I know telehealth is just exploding. So that's a really great opportunity for oh, people yeah. to try it out. Yep. And I also would say you're not married to the first therapist you have. Try a couple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you don't like the first one, yes. keep going. It's okay. And I know a lot of companies are, you know, paying for free therapy sessions and things like that. So take advantage of it. It's really just somebody else to listen to you and talk to you. So would you, I'm, I'm very curious because I know, uh, there's a, lot that goes into the training when you are looking at being a therapist there's a lot that goes into your classes and into your training about keeping very strong and very healthy boundaries between therapist and client or therapist and student would you talk about mm -hmm. what what that whole conversation is like because i think some of the dangers that i've seen well that not that i've seen but that i've heard about is to kind of like link this in with the whole church conversation is that sometimes pastors are asked to be therapists, but they don't necessarily have the training to do so. And some weird lines start getting blurred between like yeah. spiritual leader and therapist. Right. Whereas, a, whereas a clinically trained therapist is trained on how to make sure that attachments are being formed that are unhealthy or that are yeah. in, inappropriate in any way. So what, what is the conversation around that? Like when you're being trained? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. Um, your therapist is in charge of confidentiality and kind of what you're speaking to, Stephen, is like dual relationships, right? Like yeah. you're the therapist and you're the pastor and you're also the friend that I go to the barbecue with. Mm, and that mm -hmm. can get very, very complicated very quickly because your therapist should be the neutral person. When I say that, they need to be the person, even if you have, say, you're a therapist and one of your clients has their friend come see you, that can also become kind of too much of that dual relationship or a slide into that dual relationship. Okay. So confidentiality is really, really important. That conversation looks like, hey, the only time that I would ever need to tell anyone about what we talking about the office is if you're unsafe with yourself or with others. Yeah. Yep. And this is the boundary here. We're not going to, you know, this is your space, however you want to utilize it, but I'm not going to share your information with other people. And so as a pastor, right, if that person maybe, right, wants to join the worship team and you also know this background of what they're doing and how, mm, what they're struggling with yep. emotionally, yeah. that could, that could create that bias for you. And so I think it's important again, to have that neutral person, but dual relationships is kind of what you're chatting about. Yeah. And we talked yeah. about, I can't have that. And if I see you in the grocery store, I will wait for you to come to me. I know that it's you, but I'm not going to say, Oh, there's my therapist in the grocery store. And the therapist wouldn't want to engage in that way unless the client says hi. So yeah. that's their medical information. And yeah, because yeah, pretty... even then the boundary, even in the grocery store, you, you bump into your therapist right. and you say, hey, even then you, you don't want to be blurring those lines too much. Like you should never go grab a beer with your therapist and just become friends. No. Like truly <laughs> no. neutral is what <laughs> we're going for. Not. Right. Yeah. And I like that you brought up the attachment 
attachment styles even and how you're mm-hmm. attaching and creating that appropriate relationship. Yeah. Um, in order to have that professional relationship, you have to have those boundaries of, nope, we're not going to go socialize later. The only time I'll see you is in the clinical office or whatever that looks like for you. So, Right. Because yeah. so I listened to another podcast called You Have Permission and the host, Dan Koch, he is currently training to be a uh, clinical psychologist and therapist. And he mentioned on a podcast recently how they they had an entire class session or a, a series of class sessions all about how mm-hmm. you should expect that a handful of your clients over your career will legitimately become attracted to you and possibly make moves on you just <laughs> by the fact that you're creating such an open and honest yep. space. Yeah. It's like, yes, right. And, and like, honestly, the, the process of therapy is being able to like speak what's on your mind and speak what's trapped in your body or in your heart or something. Yep. And being able to share that with another human being is ultimately like incredibly intimate, but Yes. The way to do that healthy is actually take that to your spouse as well and actually be able to like open up with your spouse. And this is actually how real emotion, emotional intimacy happens. But if it's only happening mm-hmm. with the therapist, like the therapist need to be aware, you might have people oh, flirt yeah. a little bit, right? <laughs> it, was that an actual conversation yeah. you had in your degree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that reminds me of transference and countertransference, right? Is mm. when they kind of have that either they tie kind of a negative emotion to you because you're challenging their thoughts, but they can also tag those um, memories that are really positive. Like, Oh, I'm getting listened to for the first time in how long. And this reminds me of a boyfriend or this reminds me of a girlfriend I had. And then that can kind of trigger some of that. Mm -hmm. And it's similar as far as therapists goes, we have count, we have transference as well. And we have to note that like, Hey, I have my own life experiences and how is that Mm -hmm. impacting Mm -hmm. the way that I see my clients. So yes, there's definitely those conversations of what about your life experiences are going to impact your clients and being very hyper aware of those things. Yeah. So as well as knowing that that relationship is very intimate and people don't, I mean, how often do you get to just be listened to for an hour, you know, Mm -hmm. every week and yeah, absolutely. So what happens if you're experiencing your own transference moments like that? So we know that, you know, if you don't like your first therapist, the therapist won't take it personally. If you ask them for a recommendation to see someone else, like they're, this is their job. This isn't like a dating (laughs) profile that they're trying to build. Right. (laughs) But what is, is the therapist equally free to essentially break up with that client and refer them to someone else? If you're experiencing a a lot of your own transference or your own attachment uh, to the client that's coming to see you. Yeah. So the therapist is definitely able to break up (laughs) with their client if it's not clinically appropriate. And specifically, if it's not clinically appropriate for them and a lot of their attachment is too much, or if the client's attachment is too much, or if the boundaries are not being upheld. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when the, (laughs) the client has trouble holding the boundaries as well. So being able to find the right fit is really important. Um, And also having the right style, right? Like we talked about kind of Carl Rogers and Adler and what their style is and, Mm. um, and also CBT and how that all works with you as a human being. And if it's the right, right fit for you and what's going to help you find that uh, growth. So I think that even if it's just not 
but beyond the boundaries, if it's not the right style of therapist, it's okay to, you know, make a change. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for indulging me on all the, uh, on the therapy questions that this, these are yeah, enlightening. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two-sentence review. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NoPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W PeoplePod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags, NoNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. If you haven't been there in a while, we have a newly designed website over at nonormalpeople.com. And while you're there, you can check out the store where we have podcast artwork featured stickers. And coming soon, we'll have a locally roasted and packaged No Normal People coffee blend. Introducing a podcast called Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith. And for other people, it's been enriching. We think good theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so we're going to sort through our own questions in real time over a couple drinks. I'm Josh. I'm Steven. And I'm Emily. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod and find Ravel on any podcast player. That's Ravel spelled R-A-V-E-L. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Okay, let us open this up a little bit. Uh, One of my favorite questions, uh, I mean, the generic version is, what are you passionate about? My favorite rephrase is, what could you think and talk about if you had nothing else to be thinking and talking about? Yeah. Um, I think I have two different pieces of what I'm really passionate about. As you know, Stephen, I'm really passionate about music. Yeah. You know, (laughs) having that vocalizing and singing, and that's really important to me. So recently I've been able to have a couple small just gigs in some of the pubs here in the rural Montana. I've seen Um, that on Facebook. So that has been a really... Yeah. Yeah, it's been really awesome. So so when you do a gig are you performing original music or are you doing covers i do a mixture i have about right now i'm pretty critical as you're as you know but i have like about 10 original songs that i've actually kept (laughs) kept with me um and that i really enjoy playing and that's just me being critical i can i mean like two days ago i just picked up my guitar and started like playing a random song that i made up but i'm like eh, it's okay and sometimes i record them and sometimes i write them down and sometimes oh, i'm like wow. oh i just it was just like an emotional outlet for me or expression so right yeah i think i have about that small piece but the rest of them are just covers and okay. doing fun stuff and kind of finding music in this area as it is rural and there's only a thousand people in Eureka, Montana. Um, I want to make sure that I have music that they enjoy too. um, Right. That's yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay. So you, your undergrad was music Mm -hmm. performance vocal specifically, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And besides that, your primary instrument is guitar, right? So kind of a classic singer songwriter look to it already. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Let's start with the covers. Cause I feel like we could cover this pretty quick. And then I want to talk about your originals. So the covers, uh, especially like mm-hmm. you said in rural Eureka, Montana, 
<laughs> what what kind of things do you cover? Is it a lot of pop music? Is it a lot of country music? Is it a kind of a blend? What, what are you into? It's a blend. I have, you know, some of older songs such as like Dock on the Bay. Like I've done my own. That's kind of the crowd mm. favorite. Yeah. Yep. It's, <laughs> as it's well closer. as a... <laughs> yeah, it's a closer. They love that. But Fantastic. I also love singing it and I've kind of made it into more of a jazzy. If you ever go on and listen to Sarah Bareilles, her version of Dock of the Bay, I've kind Ooh, of taken that and yeah. done an acoustic version. Nice. So that's been really fun. And I like doing stuff like that. Yeah, but I have a couple Adele songs. I have a, this is so silly, but I have the Post Malone song um, mm-hmm. that I kind of turned into this like folk acoustic yeah it's pretty good oh. i'll have to record it sometime but That's... no one would know that it's post malone until <laughs> until you credit and it and then i'm embarrassed oh yeah. yeah i'm like um it's well i don't know i don't think you should be embarrassed about that if it's a song you're into and you feel good performing yeah. no nothing to be embarrassed about okay oh, yeah so a good blend of covers but also <laughs> but also post malone. yeah that's fair Okay, well, if you want to hold on to it, I'll let you. <laughs> uh, so, so for your originals, I mean, ten songs, Alex. Mm-hmm. It seems like you should record this and put it on Spotify. Like that's an entire album. I know. Yeah, well, I know. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> Too critical, you think? That that kind of perfectionist yeah. streak in you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Totally. But it's also. Rastin and I have moved houses three times this year. So in a small community, we have gone from one rental to another rental. And then we just bought a house in June. So I'm really trying to figure out. Thank you. I'm really trying to figure out what my, I have a small audio interface and could record a lot of things, but I don't, I'm still trying to figure out the space to make it awesome sure so, yeah, and either yeah. doing that or finding somebody that i can pay to do it for a reasonable price but mm, yeah mm-hmm. i don't know yeah so i've been kind of shuffling that around so okay well <laughs> first of all well, what do you write about when you write an original song so i have a couple different i really enjoy writing lyrics and sometimes i'll just write lyrics and never actually put music to it um, okay so just writing poetry yeah but I write a lot about my relationships and my personal experience. So that can look like I have a song that I'm really enjoying that I wrote called I Don't Know. And it's basically about my relationship with my husband and how a lot of times we'll say, I don't know. And what does that Mm. actually mean? But Mm. I build into the verse of like, I trust you. And even when you don't know, I still love you. And even when I don't know, I know you still love me mm. and kind of <laughs> I know, so, pretty cheesy, but it's awesome. That's so good <laughs> yeah. though. Yeah, man. Okay. So are you just constantly writing lyrics? Like, do you have like a note you always go back to in your phone or uh, like a notebook you carry around with you when the inspiration strikes? Yeah, I have. So yeah, I use my notes on my phone mm-hmm. pretty frequently. Sure. Um, but I also have several notebooks at home that I have, which I actually need to buy a new one because I am out of paper. But I like physically writing it down if I can. Yeah. If I have the ability to do so just because it's more solidified. And then I also do a better job at editing the lyrics. Yeah, because then you can scratch in the margins and kind of draw arrows all exactly. over the place. Or Yeah. 
No, yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. This and is I'm a- kind of a traditionalist in that sense too. I like having physical books and <laughs> notebooks and things like that. So. Yeah, this is very, I'm, I'm going to join you there. I cannot, I can't do eBooks. I don't do yeah. like a Kindle. Well, I love a yep. like a bound book in my hands. I yep. love the paper. I love the sound it mm-hmm. makes when you flip a page. There's everything about it is just so romantic that you kind of lose with a Kindle or an e-reader. So yes. I'm totally with you. I agree. Same with note taking, yep. like a pocket notebook <laughs> is always with me. Oh, okay. So here's a crazy detailed question that I, I, for some reason I'm fascinated by office supplies. I'm sure there's a, a diagnosis <laughs> or like a, a condition, but uh, like, is there a favorite notebook you have that you always buy? Oh, no. Okay. So it has to be, I have like a couple requirements. <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't have like a specific brand that I am married to. It has to have the spiral bound so that I can flip oh, it open easily. Okay. And it also has to be college ruled. I don't like wide ruled. So those are basically my two requirements. And it has to be kind of in the medium size. So not like a full eight by 10, but somewhere in the middle or a tad bit smaller. So, and the paper needs to be pretty good quality too. Cause if it's thin, and I have an angry moment when I'm writing <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, yep. It's just not gonna, yeah, it's just not gonna work out. So okay, that's fair. I'm I'm partial to moleskin myself. Pretty much everything I carry with me is a moleskin notebook. Man, that's awesome. That was a that's a mega nerdy question, but I for some reason it fascinates me. <laughs> oh man. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Is there? I'm gonna put you on the spot here a little bit, but is there any particular? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, a verse or a chorus or just a, a block of lyrics that you're particularly proud of that you'd be willing to share? Oh, that's a good question. Let me do some digging really fast. It'll sure. take like two seconds. Totally fine. Yeah, kind of from that song. So this is kind of a lyric that I really like, and it's basically the pre-chorus to that song that I was talking about, I Don't Know. Mm -hmm. And it says, I won't give this time away, even during the mundane, because you love me even when you say I don't know. Mm, That's so good. I'm so, oh, that's fantastic. I love it, Alex. That's so good. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, thank you for that. I mean that that's now a, I need to record it because you're gonna be like, well, what does it sound like? I know. I I won't make you sing it. I was more. I was. We were talking about lyrics. I was more curious about lyrics. So. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So that was music. You mentioned there were two things that you would say you're passionate about or that you engage in a lot. So music being one of them. Yeah. What's the second? Yeah, my second hobby would be rock climbing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just hop into that. Rostin got me into rock climbing when we first met about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take a course when I was at Casper College and kind of gain my own passion for it and connection with the sport. So I really enjoy A, what the places rock climbing has brought me um, as far as like physical locations. Mm -hmm. And also there's a dance to climbing and I can't think it kind of trickles back to like my dance background when I was growing up of the gracefulness you have to have on the wall and how that can be translated. And it's also addressing fear. So yeah, there's a emotional aspect to it as well. There's so much to it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Len, let's get started because you kind of outlined a few things for me there. So let's start with physical places you've gotten to go while pursuing rock climbing. 
first thing that comes to mind is I, Rastin and I and our good friend Corey Kugler mm-hmm. went to Argentina for a month in 2017 and we were wow. able to yeah basically go to that patagonia range near bariloche mm. it's oh. a small small town um yeah near the lake district in argentina and it was gorgeous yeah. um, it was also very very tough it was really hard climbing a lot of crack climbing and the elements there of the wind it is so windy mm-hmm. when you read in a book that it's windy in argentina specifically in that area <laughs> and it's called the fray it actually means it's windy um Who our friends were, we were like oh yeah <laughs> we're like oh it's not gonna be that windy you know we lived in wyoming for a couple years and rostin grew up there and he's like no it'll be fine we brought our tent our first night in the fray our tent broke and we had to duct tape oh. our tent poles oh. and use like paracord to like oh. have it stand up for the rest of the month. Oh no. We were just duct taping our tent. Yeah. It was pretty wild. That's intense. So for a month you were staying in a tent, like no cabin, yeah. no, no like lodge available no. to you. Good. That is there, hardcore. Yeah. There's a refugio up there, so basically a little cabin that you could stay in, but it was nice enough outside for the most part. When we did have a pretty nice week of snow and rain, and we did spend time in the lodge where you can just play games and order food, and Mm -hmm. which is crazy because you're up in the middle of the mountains, but (laughs) they make really good pizza (laughs) up there. So shout out to the Frey Refugio. But yeah, so it was it was quite the experience just living in a tent. We did stay in a hostel a few nights when we had to go get groceries and things like that and then hiked back up. But right. yeah, pretty much in the tent for the majority of the time. Oh my God. And this is like, this is the Patagonia for which the company is named after, right? Like this right. is the whole, yes. this, yes. this is yes. the thing. Yeah. Good gravy. Yep. That's so intense. I've seen pictures of this on your Instagram and- uh, mm-hmm. Oh man, I, there's something romantic to me about sleeping a month out in the mountains like that, but I think probably week two, middle of week two, I'd be like, I want to go home. (laughs) I want to, I want my, (laughs) I want everything back. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense. Running water, like clean dishes. Yeah. All of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was location number one. Is there another one? Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the first I would say my most epic place that I've climbed and Mm. most epic adventure. But I've also done quite a bit of climbing at least once a year for a while was going to Red Rocks in Nevada. Mm. Yep. Um, And Joshua Tree. I really love Joshua Tree. And then we're kind of, Rasta and I are both really tied to Devil's Tower, Wyoming. Yes. Yep. And that area is gorgeous. And I was able to work at Devil's Tower Lodge for a summer. Um, That was great. Yeah. Tell me about that summer. Tell me about what you and Rostin were both doing for an entire summer again. Crazy. Yeah. So we spent, yeah, we spent about five months. I think my my stay was a little less because I had to start working up here. But yeah. Rustin and I stayed about five to six months at Devil's Tower Lodge and it's a bed and breakfast, but it's also a rock climbing um, guiding service. Mm -hmm. So we stayed in a camper for that long and had like outdoor shower and you Mm, can look at the tower when you're, yeah, it's just really awesome. But I worked as kind of the help in the uh, lodge and cleaned and cooked and had these really epic dinners um, with a beautiful view of devil's tower. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I did. And it was great 
there's amazing people there, amazing friends that I was able to meet and get some decent rock climbing in when we weren't too busy. And yeah, Rostin was climbing pretty much every day with clients. And then on his off days, we would go climb some more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so, I absolutely love when people just like, they know what they're into and they also get to make it their job. Have you, have you guys ever experienced a burnout on climbing? Like, well, now that it's my job, I'm not so into it anymore. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. If you're like on your off days, you're going climbing yourself. But have you have you yeah. ever gotten close to that feeling? I think Rostin has not. He's just a diehard rock climber. It's so cool. I definitely am one of those people where I'm like, let's go out to eat. Let's go on a walk. Like I want to see <laughs> this thing and a hike and like take our dog to the dog park and then let's uh, go rock climbing or right. let's go rock climbing and then do all of that. So yeah. I'm more of a what Ross and I have kind of labeled like the retired person where I'm like, yeah, let's do like a half a day and then we'll go do all these other really (laughs) old people things as Rostin would say. But really it's just, um, I like having a variety of activities and I know that I can get burned out if I'm sitting there all day climbing where Rostin just has that hyper focus of like, this is what we're doing today. And yeah, for instance, it was funny. We went to Idaho a couple weeks ago and did some rock climbing and we hiked up to Chimney Rock. And it's this also a really epic rock if anyone wants to look it up. Um, mm-hmm. It's about a six mile hike up and it's, it is straight up. I'm not sure the exact elevation gain, <laughs> but we hiked about six miles up and you pass a couple creeks, but we had ran out of water and we got to, the, oh, to where we had to start climbing and none of us had water. So we you know, regrettably had to turn around. Rostin would have definitely done the five pitch climb and the double rappel down without water. And I had to draw the line. So, um, (laughs) some of those things that we have navigated together. Yeah. A little bit of the voice of safety, voice of reason. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I don't really feel like getting a headache and being dehydrated all day, but yeah, um, I mean, I get it again. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Is there, are there any other places that you visited that you want to highlight? Yeah, I would say 10 sleep Wyoming is really awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of my places when I think of like the most fun I've had rock climbing, it's in 10 sleep Wyoming. Um, They have over a thousand just sport climbs and they're very manageable and Mm -hmm. it's just great. There's usually great people that are there and um, they have a really awesome brewery that you can camp at and have really yummy food. So it's all around is a really awesome place. One of my go-to vacation spots when Ross is like, where do you want to go? I'm like 10 sleep. And he lived in Wyoming. So he (laughs) will say, no, we always go there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) but so is there a style of climbing that you would say is your favorite you've mentioned sport climbing a bit i know bouldering is pretty much a classic here in montana as well right and in colorado actually but uh i mean so was like patagonia was that a lot of mountaineering were you actually trying to peak mountains or were you just doing specific climbs that were like called out in a guidebook right i don't know what's your what's your favorite style yeah so kind of the style that we've been diving into is trad climbing or traditional climbing. And basically what that is, is you have a tool, several of them, they're called cams or black diamond calls them cams, but you put the tool inside of a rock, basically inside of the rock where there's a crack 
and it expands and then you know you clip to it and you keep going and you do that all the way up the rock but Mm. that traditional way and then i come behind rostin and i take all of the gear out and then he uses it again so traditional climbing and in patagonia it was that alpine so we didn't have to do necessarily we would have to hike to our climbs but it was pretty much you hike and then you get there and you trad climb all the way up and it's typically in cracks Mm -hmm. so crack climbing is kind of its own style which Mm. is the devil's towers also the mecca of crack climbing oh yeah so we've gotten pretty good at that i'm a really great follower so yeah I think trad climbing is kind of where we've been at okay. recently, but I really like, as Rostin would call it, sport dorking. <laughs> where sport we go sport dorking. climbing and it's, <laughs> yeah, sport dork. Yeah. I love that. So sport dork is more like you hang the rope from the top, right? So somebody repels standing on the, bo- or not repels, somebody belays standing at the bottom and one person goes and climbs mm-hmm. the route, correct? Right. You can do it that way. So sport dorking can mean like you (laughs) use the quick draws to go up, um, but you can top rope where you go to the top and you put Mm, your rope in and then you rappel down and then you belay. Gotcha. So you could do either or it kind of depends on the area. Yeah. So I'm a sport dork. Nice. I'll take that label (laughs) because it's really fun. Oh my God. (laughs) No shame in that. (laughs) That's very good. And uh, is bouldering something you guys ever do? Is that not cool enough? You know, I don't know. It's so, it's so different, right? Like that sustain. If you look at Devil's Tower, you have those sustained lines. And if you look at yeah. bouldering, it's really a couple power moves that mm-hmm. get you to the top of a boulder. Sure. And you kind of miss that epic feeling when you get to the top of a climb where you're like, wow, that took, you know, a couple hours or an hour, whatever it took you to get to the top. And there's a sense of accomplishment and that you get from completing that. And I just don't get that with (laughs) bouldering. I definitely get like, you're after the thrill. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) with bouldering, it's more of just like, yeah, I'm really muscular and I respect bouldering and I'll do it in the gym. In fact, Rostin just built our own little bouldering gym in our shed. Mm, Nice. (laughs) Nice. We're we're doing that to keep in shape, but it's definitely not our first choice. Right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. What do you think about the film Free Solo and what Alex Honnold did in Yosemite? Well, you know, if I'm looking at it psychologically, it's pretty nuts and wild. I mean, that's a good angle um, to discuss it, especially given your training. Right. Uh, yeah. So sometimes when I look at Alex Honnold, I'm like, all right, I would really like to see some psychological testing and like see where he's at. And yeah. I do know that it's possible to shove down that primitive instinct of fear. Like we all have that instinct to have fear and how you can tame it, Mm -hmm. which is really what I'm teaching to my clients that have anxiety, right? Yeah. Because we'll have this type of anxiety and fear that's like, oh, this is life or death. When really in the modern world, we just don't have a ton of those life or death situations. Sure. So if I can teach my clients to kind of manage that fear and create it as momentum to keep taking steps forward. I'm Mm. sure he Mm. can do that. Like the brain is amazing. Yeah. I'm sure he can shove down those feelings of fear, but it's impressive. I would love to see kind of what his brain looks like when he's doing that. Yeah. Would you, I mean, so I think I was talking to again, a past guest, Caleb Lasloffy. He, he theorizes that Alex probably has something like Asperger's. Um, cause his father mm-hmm. does as well. Yeah. Right. So that might run yeah. in the family and that might 
might create mm-hmm. some of those artificial inhibitions just by the fact that right. the br- the brain has has something different going on, right? Not, not neurotypical. Right, yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, would you ever mess with free soloing at all as a climber? No. No, that's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not definitely your thing. not. Definitely <laughs> not my thing. I like having a rope and yeah. somebody belaying me. Some security. It takes the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would agree that he definitely presents as having some sort of autism spectrum disorder sure. um, based on like the lack of social cues and like learning how to hug. Like who, how many people have to learn how to hug? Oh, yeah. And what does that mean for you with your attachment and how you were raised, but also the way your brain functions? Sure. So I think, yeah, that's a point. But I don't think that I could really shove down that fear. And I also feel like I don't just live for climbing. Alex Honnold lives to climb. Literally. And I yeah. have a lot of I have a lot of other things that I live for, you know, music and my job and my relationships and friendships. Oh, so that, um I would just never want to put that at risk. Right. A healthy respect for it. Right. And I mean, so what's interesting about that film though is yes, it's about the climb, and yes, we have shots of him actually doing the climb, but mm-hmm. A lot of the film explores how his girlfriend hang, handles the whole thing because I mean I can't I can't <laughs> right. imagine being in a relationship with someone who's like you know that you see that I'm going to do it I'm going to climb that without a rope. <laughs> Be right back. You know like I can't Right. Right. I, how <laughs> yeah. how she stays in a relationship with him is is wild to me but I really appreciate that they go right. that they get into that in the film because like that's that's a yeah. huge thing for almost anyone else. Uh, but for this guy, like mm-hmm. it's climbing, it's climbing all the way. It's pretty interesting. I think they're married too now. I think they I think are they now. got married or engaged yeah. or something like that. So Just, yeah, I don't gosh. know how that would be. And I also think that, you know, if that's what he loves to do, same with Rostin, like in my mind, like if your partner loves to do that thing and that's how they feel fulfillment in their life. I don't want to keep them from fulfilling themselves, but I think that, yeah, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> you would have a strong <laughs> argument. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, Gosh. like, do you value relationship? And that's like it trails back into like, is it autism spectrum disorder? Like sure. what is happening there? Yeah. Because most people I mean, we as humans value relationship and community in such a big way because we need that Mm -hmm. and connection. And that may not be, like I said, I have lots of other things to live for, but relationship (laughs) might be different for him. Right. Yeah. Wowzers. That's wild. My goodness, Alex. I mean, like you have quite a life. (laughs) I, from, from everything I've heard between work, between music and rock climbing and just like maintaining a very healthy marriage and a healthy relationship, family, friends, all that great stuff. You do a lot. So I'm curious, are there any particular morning and evening routines that you've designed into your life to allow you to do all this stuff at once? Yeah, I think kind of trickling back into healthy habits and what that looks like. Yeah. Most of my healthy habits are ingrained into my evening routine. Mm. I'm not Mm -hmm. necessarily a morning person. Okay. Um, so my morning routine is pretty like just getting ready, like making my two arrow presses and, um, getting ready for the day. And sometimes I go into the office about 30 minutes early just to kind of group myself and see what I need to get prepared for. Sure. 
for my evening routine, though, I really enjoy, there's like a couple things, right? I really enjoy having time outside. So that has looked a little different this summer. There's a ton of lakes where I live. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes after work, I'll go jump in the lake and it's really good to just kind of ground myself, wake up my senses and also get some exercise. Um, So I've been doing some of that. It's getting a little chillier, so it's not quite as much, but I'll try to do some form of exercise in the evenings before I have dinner. I do a lot of yoga kind of before I go to bed. I like light a candle, have some tea, kind of do the whole hippie thing, (laughs) do some stretching and yoga, deep breathing. And that's been really helpful for my sleep and how I'm utilized during the day and just Mm -hmm. releasing different things. And as I said, kind of a part of that routine is writing stuff down, journaling, having those lyrics. So Mm, I think it's a combination of having exercise and all the rest. Um, Been trying to be more intentional with how I eat and what types of food I eat and what dinner looks like for me because I am so busy. Mm -hmm, Um, So I've been diving more into creating a routine around that, but haven't been quite successful yet because it's been a crazy summer. But okay, is there any kind of my routine? Yeah, is there any diet that you're trying to engineer into that dinner routine, or you just uh, just pretty much strictly just trying to eat healthy, trying to eat regularly? I don't know why, but I really hate the word diet. Yeah, I mean, we all have a diet, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that whatever habit that I choose and what I choose to put in my body, I want Mm. it to be healthy. Mm. Recently tried kind of going dairy-free. I'll eat vegetarian at least three times a week. Okay. And just kind of experimenting with what feels best to my body and listening to myself. So I don't think I prescribe to paleo or keto or any diet fad. I really just like want to listen to what's best for my body. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that looks like having no dairy. Sometimes that looks like no meat. Yeah. Drinking a lot of water. Um, that's kind of something that I'm, (laughs) has been helpful for my body. So yeah, I guess I don't have any particular prescribed diet, but I really just listen to myself of like, Oh, okay. Milk doesn't sit well, so I'm not going to drink that or, Oh, I need more water or Hey, meat is hard to digest sometimes. So let's do something different. Mm, So nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, back to journaling. Uh, you mentioned journaling outside of your lyric writing. What is your journaling habit look like? Do you follow any particular templates or is it more just free form, just kind of get some thoughts out onto the page as a processing mechanism? So I have a couple things. I've done a couple projects as far as my journaling. So the, the past month I wrote my life story kind of for my journaling time mm. just to kind of process what my childhood looked like and help me become a better clinician. Mm. Um, again, kind of being aware of the transference that could happen. So I've been diving into that. But usually I do kind of a free form. I like to get things off my chest before I kind of head home. So I have a little journal I keep in my car after I leave work, whenever I have time, if I'm parked in the driveway or in the parking lot, just saying, oh, this was hard today. Like just recognizing things that were challenging. Wow. um, And like leaving them there and putting it in my car and like walking into the house and like just kind of being able to wash my hands of some of the things that I listen to all day. So that's been a really, really helpful tactic for me. I love that. The, the concept of keeping the journal in the car and being able to just leave it in the car before you go in. Gosh, that's so, I, I, I'm, 
I'm going to do the journaling in the car now. I think I'm going to include a notebook in my glove box nice. from now on because yeah. of you. I and love it, it that idea. It can be so. It can be so short. Like just like I hated this today, or like this sucked, and being able to just write that down and recognize and say, "Yep," and now I'm keeping it here because I have an awesome wife to to attend to gosh, and to be with. So. Gosh, gosh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Okay, uh, we mentioned that you. Uh, kind of grew up in a like a Lutheran private school, but your family wasn't necessarily Lutheran. And then we also mentioned that you and mm-hmm. I met at Fresh Life Church here in Billings, and we were both very involved right. in the worship team. I'm curious, how would you describe your spiritual life today compared to the way uh, your your spiritual life was developed when you were being raised by your family? Right. Yeah. Growing up, I keep using the word rigid, but I don't know why that's just the word that's coming out today. So sure. it was a lot of more of that ritual, religious kind of rigid outlook on um, spirituality. Mm -hmm. And yes, I knew a lot about Christianity, but I didn't necessarily have that intimate relationship with Jesus. So growing up, I, I also saw two different sides, right? My there was, you know, always a little bit of turmoil in the house. And then we'd kind of go to church and kind of put, put on that like, oh, yeah, I'm dressing up nice, kind of putting mm. on that mask, mm-hmm. if you will. Sure. And not necessarily having the vulnerability and authenticity. One of my really important values now is being true to yourself and being authentic. And that has definitely manifested in my relationship with Christ and what my spirituality looks like today. Sure. Um, obviously, my church options in a city of a thousand or a town of a thousand mm. is very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to be really creative of what church looks like and how I'm communicating. But really the difference is growing up having no relationship and now really having more of an intimate relationship and having it be something personal, not sure. just something that I read. Um, so that would be like the, the overarching theme of that, but kind of morphing in after fresh life and billings, it was just such a great little community that we had. And, Mm, um, now mm. I have to figure out what that looks like in Eureka, Montana. So, um, having little Bible studies with a few of my friends and being able to talk to other people that, you know, either listened to fresh life or had, you know, worship music that they really enjoyed and being intentional about those conversations and those times and having my own quiet time nailed down and whatever that looks like for me. So mm. yeah, I would say it's definitely fluid and it's more focused on relationships and community. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious cause you mentioned trying to be creative with what community, especially a church community looks like for you. So of course, with the availability of the internet, you kind of have a, a wealth of options right. to go listen to a sermon or like tune into a yep. live worship experience or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, so how are you kind of pairing people there in your very small town and the availability of the internet? Like wh- where's that creativity coming in on how you're kind of developing a community? And does it always look mm-hmm. like what we all think of when you say church or is it, you know, j- like a game night that you create or is right. it just, I don't know, like what what is what does yeah. that kind of sense of community look like for you? Absolutely. So it's shifted a little bit as COVID has kind of put a wedge, but we had, Rustin and I had a really good kind of routine with um, the pastor of the Cowboy Church here. And he's awesome. Yeah. His name's Sean Tribble and his wife's name's Michelle. Um, She's also a musician and he's a potter. And they're an amazing couple. Um, Her music is actually amazing. I think it's on Spotify. It's Michelle Rivers, but. 
she records music and just does really awesome things. And that has actually really helped me kind of find different gigs. But besides the point, we would just kind of get together once a week and have dinner with each other. And they would introduce me to other people. And so we would have dinner together. We'd also listen to different types of sermons from all over. They had a church that they went to in Nashville. And so I can't Mm. even remember what it was called, but it was Mm. really good. And we would kind of just listen to tidbits, um, maybe 15 minutes and have discussions, write things down. Uh, Again, practice a lot of authenticity of like, hey, this is coming up in our marriage or, hey, this is coming up individually Mm. and really talk about where we're at with our spirituality in sure. a very unmasked way, right? We're not saying like, oh yeah, I did all of these things. It's like, actually, I really did not do my quiet time the way I need to. And I felt this way because oh, of that. And that- so this is how I want it to look next week. And how can I help you um, stay accountable or can we do it together? And yeah. so that has, that's been a good habit that I need to recreate this summer. Yeah, that they've sounds... been busy too, but yeah, it's oh, been yeah. really awesome. And it's definitely not what people would consider church. So <laughs> that sounds really special yeah. though, because it's, it's less about the the sermon talk or it's less about the music and you're actually creating something in the room amongst you instead of uh, almost like just kind of recreating the, the concert venue feel of church, which I'm not disparaging. Of course, you and I were involved with Fresh Life for so yeah. long that it's like, yep. we, we yes. know that we know the value of that, but at the same time, yeah. something that deep and that intimate. And I love this unmasked term you keep using. I, mm, mm-hmm. that sounds very special. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I admire that a lot. Let's see. I'm conscious of the fact that we are nearing the end of our time here. So to wrap us up, I am curious to ask what you are currently reading. I actually am I've become more of a reader. There's good things that have come out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, more of a reader. But I'm reading two different books. And one of the books is called Breath. Um, it's a really good book just about how we've lost the art of breathing. And it has a lot to do with looking back on how we've kind of created a lot of anxiety for ourselves by not focusing on and staying in the moment. So it talks a little bit about meditation and also um, breathing techniques. And I really enjoyed that book, Mm. just how we can ground ourselves. I know it sounds really simple, but there's a lot of really cool science behind how it is harder for us to breathe. Just the way that even the processed food that we eat and how it creates, like just a lot of science, like a small nasal cavity and things like that. So it's pretty science heavy, but it's really cool and kind of enlightens me to, Oh, okay, let's be intentional about breathing. A lot of my clients with anxiety struggle with you know, panic attack disorder and what that does to their breathing and how I can be helpful. So that's kind of the, Mm, yeah, one of the books I'm reading. The other one I'm reading is called Mastering Your Emotions. And it's a guide to kind of, we all have a tendency to be a pessimist and have a lot of, um, you know, embarrassment or shame that's kind of ingrained in our world. And how do we address those feelings and that uh, drive towards negativity? So it's also a very good book. Oh, very good. Yeah. What are you currently listening to right now? This could be either music or podcasts. Podcast, I've been listening to, it's a podcast called The One You Feed. And it's kind of 
about a lot of psychology today, but it's about addiction and how we can feed different thoughts in our minds. Um, but it's a really good podcast just about, it brings different authors on that have created books about addiction and not just addiction to substance use, but also addiction to, you know, shopping or gambling or even addiction to negative thoughts, like addiction to cleaning. So it talks a lot about why that is and what we need as humans to kind of combat those thoughts. So the one you feed, it's a really good podcast. And I love um, that show. I'm so glad I found yeah. another person who likes that show. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that, that is awesome. I didn't think, I thought it was kind of random and no one else knew about it. So I'm glad you know about oh, it. It's, it's very, I love the opening parable that he runs every yes. guest through. It's so good to me. It's yes. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Everyone should go listen to it. What about yes. music? What uh, what comes up for you when you open Spotify? Yeah, I, sad to say, but also really cool. I've been digging into more like country music just because of the setting that I'm in. But nice. there's an artist from Canada and his name's Coulter Wall. He has a very, very raspy, like folk country vibe. And it's awesome. Check him out. Mm. He's really good. So good. And it's just him and his guitar. So yeah, it has a Johnny Johnny Cash feel. So good. Okay, then what are you watching right now? Uh, maybe TV shows you're in the middle of, or movies that you like coming back to. Like, what do you what do you watch when the when the TV goes on? Typically, really like watching comedies. And we hadn't had. I actually lived three months when we first. Yeah, it was about three months without the internet, <laughs> so I oh. had to unbury a lot of DVDs and wow. watched a lot of like just silly Adam Sandler movies and uh, Chris Farley, <laughs> like SNL specials. Right. And it just like reminiscing on those oh, old gosh. comedies oh, gosh. Um, that are ridiculous. But recently I've been watching Alone, um, the Canadian Arctic one that's on mm. Netflix. Okay. And oh, it's all about survival and it's pretty awesome. So my last closing question for you, because I want to get in a better habit of asking this question. You've mentioned that you have a dog and I was wondering if you would just briefly introduce us to your dog and what their personality is like. Oh, that's a good question. All right. My dog, her name's Juno. She's a border collie. She's about six years old. Um, she is very hyperactive. She loves playing fetch. She's recently gotten into swimming. Yep. Uh, become a really awesome swimmer. Even when I'm swimming laps in the lake, she'll follow me. And it's pretty impressive. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she loves activity. In the last couple days, we haven't been able to like run her very hard. So last night mm. we went on a pretty decent bike ride and she, she loved it. So nice. she really loves running. Did um, you say how old she is? She's about six. Yeah. Okay. So right in that prime yeah. time of activity and energy, but not yeah. all, but also not like incredibly disobedient puppy anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> she's, she's a pretty good listener. She's definitely, oh. all my friends will say she's very vocal, but she just barks. And so, oh, we've, so good. <laughs> we've been trying to work on that, but <laughs> uh, she's a sweetie pie. She comes with me to actually my therapy and she'll sit on the couch with my clients and mm. just like eat it up. So, so good. Yeah, she, she can also have, has the ability to settle down and settle the girls down too. So nice. Yeah. Oh, so she's almost like a work partner for you. She comes to work with you. 
Yeah, she is. She's also kind of a part of my routine, which I forgot to mention. She yeah. just is always there and keeps me from sitting on the couch too long. So <laughs> this is good. This is good. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Alex, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've enjoyed myself so much. Uh, getting to know more about you and your past and also like what you're really into, especially the therapy stuff. Like you and I had talked about what you were studying in your master's degree whenever we would uh, see each other at church, but I never really had a good grasp of what you were going for. And it's so cool to hear like what you get to do for work on a daily basis. It sounds like you're really, really a blessing and really a, uh, a voice of health and reason and uh, just thriving in your student's life. And it's just, it's very good to me. I've enjoyed our conversation immensely. So thank you. Thank you. I have as well. To close us out, I want to give you the last word. And I'm wondering, would you read our favorite quote for the podcast? Absolutely. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Mm -hmm.